As the rector of St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, may I welcome you very warmly to this service. It's wonderful that so many of you are able to join our online services, which combine archive recordings of our choir and congregation with newly recorded readings, prayers and sermons. For this reason, we shall continue to broadcast these services each Sunday, even though we've now resumed our 11am choral Eucharist in St Bride's itself. Not all of you are able to join us in person for reasons of distance or because you need to take particular care of your health, but we know that you are very much with us in spirit. May the light and hope of Christ be with us all as our worship begins. Jesus said to Peter, You should forgive not seven times, but, I tell you, seventy-seven times.
It is a great delight to welcome you to St Bride's to our choral Eucharist on this, the 14th Sunday after Trinity. Wherever you are in the world, and however you're listening to us, we hope that you will feel that you are very much part of the St Bride's family. We begin with our opening prayer. Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven, and to bring us to eternal life. Let us confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments and to live in love and peace with all. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
almighty God, whose only Son has opened for us a new and living way into your presence, give us pure hearts and steadfast wills to worship you in spirit and in truth. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading is taken from the book of Exodus, chapter 14, beginning at the 19th verse. The angel of the Lord who was going before the Israelite army moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and took its place behind them. It came between the army of Egypt and the army of Israel. And so the cloud was there with the darkness and it lit up the night. One did not come near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. The Israelites went into the sea on dry ground, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went into the sea after them, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots and chariot drivers. At the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and cloud looked down upon the Egyptian army and threw the Egyptian army into panic. He clogged their chariot wheels so that they turned with difficulty. The Egyptians said, Let us flee from the Israelites, for the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, so that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and chariot drivers. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at dawn the sea returned to its normal depth. As the Egyptians fled before it, the Lord tossed the Egyptians into the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the chariot drivers, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the Israelites walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great work that the Lord did against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. This is the word of the Lord.
The epistle is taken from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 14, beginning at the first verse. Welcome those who are weak in faith, but not for the purpose of quarrelling over opinions. Some believe in eating anything, while the weak eat only vegetables. Those who eat must not despise those who abstain, and those who abstain must not pass judgment on those who eat, for God has welcomed them. Who are you to pass judgment on servants of another? It is before their own Lord that they stand or fall, and they will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make them stand. Some judge one day to be better than another, while others judge all days to be alike. Let all be fully convinced in their own minds. Those who observe the day, observe it in honour of the Lord. Also those who eat, eat in honour of the Lord, since they give thanks to God. While those who abstain, abstain in honour of the Lord and give thanks to God. We do not live to ourselves, and we do not die to ourselves. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, so that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother or sister, or you? Why do you despise your brother or sister? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then, each of us will be accountable to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. 
Then Peter came and said to Jesus, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, Not seven times, but I tell you, seventy-seven times. For this reason the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him, and as he could not pay, his lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions, and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported it to their lord, all that had taken place. Then his lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave! I forgive you all the debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave, as I had mercy on you? And in anger his lord handed him over to be tortured until he should pay his entire debt. So my heavenly father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the gospel of the Lord. In the name of the living God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Gospel reading this morning comprises a very neat and beautifully crafted parable. The story will, I'm sure, be familiar to many of you. We have a king settling his accounts. We have a servant who is massively in debt to him, who, as a result, faces the loss of everything he has, even his own freedom. He begs to be given time to repay the amount that he owes, despite the immense scale of the debt. And remarkably, the king, feeling compassion for him, not only shows him mercy, he does something far more extraordinary than that. He cancels the entire debt totally and unconditionally. But then the story is turned on its head. That same newly liberated servant goes out, bumps into a fellow servant who owes him a far smaller amount of money. He demands payment from him. He refuses to show him any mercy and he has his unfortunate debtor thrown into jail. But then, of course, the unmerciful servant at the centre of this story finally gets his comeuppance when the king gets to hear of his behaviour 
and we can all give a resounding cheer as the ungrateful so-and-so is then hauled off to meet a fate that is even worse than the one that he originally escaped. It is a very satisfying parable to hear, this one. It leaves us all with a real sense of poetic justice because we see a man who was forgiven so graciously himself and yet flatly refused to show mercy to the person who owed him just a little get precisely what was coming to him. Serves him right. And more than that, we can all sit back and think comforting thoughts about a God who, like the king in the parable, is ready to forgive us absolutely everything unconditionally. All incredibly comforting to hear. So, why is it then that I find this story one of the most disturbing parables in the whole of the New Testament? It leaves me feeling profoundly uncomfortable, which, in my experience, is usually a very good indication that the original point of the story has, at some level, hit home. After all, Jesus told such stories precisely in order to provoke a reaction in his hearers, to stir them out of their complacency, to jolt them out of their comfort zones. And hearing this parable, the most important question that I am left with is this. Did the unmerciful servant at the centre of this story actually recognise that there was a connection between the two incidents, between his encounter with the king and his encounter with the serpent who owed him money. Because if he didn't, then this parable suddenly becomes a much more frightening story than simply the tale of an ungrateful man who is punished for his ingratitude. It becomes instead a story about the failure of a man to recognise the truth about himself. A man who is either completely unaware of or completely indifferent to the hypocrisy of his own actions. A hypocrisy that is so glaringly apparent to us, the onlookers, and indeed all too obvious to his fellow servants in the story who inform the king of what the ungrateful servant has done. If you think about it, the way in which the parable is told endorses this too. The fact that the two incidents are immediately juxtaposed does more than simply underline the similarity and the contrast between them. Remember that the unmerciful servant is actually walking out from his encounter with the king, doubtless still elated by his own incredibly narrow escape when he bumps into the man who is his debtor. So his reaction to him is spontaneous and, in all probability, unthinking. He fails to make the connection between what has just happened to him and what he is now doing. He is unable to relate his experience of being forgiven to his need to be able to forgive. 
This is a parable that is about hypocrisy and about judgment and about grace. It is a parable that warns us of the perils of being blind to the truth about who we are and what we are, because such things are not of indifference, either to the people around us or, more importantly still, to God. I suspect that most hypocrisy is in fact unconscious, because all too often we fail to recognise the gulf that can exist between the ideals that we uphold, the kinds of people we like to think of ourselves as being, and the lives that we actually live. There can be a startling contrast between the treatment that we ask for and expect from others and the way in which, in certain contexts, we allow ourselves to behave. Similarly, there can be an immense gulf between the extraordinary grace and forgiveness that we receive from God and our own ungracious and unforgiving actions towards others. Lord Macaulay once famously said about people like me, the profession of clergyman imposes on those who are not saints the necessity of being hypocrites. In a sense, how could it be otherwise? Because those of us who wear dog collars, as I do, remain frail human beings. We are called to proclaim the good news of Christ's kingdom to the world and to strive to live the kind of life that Christ would have us live. And yet, just like everyone else, we too will always fall short of the ideal, which at one level is possibly no bad thing. There is nothing more guaranteed to create a dysfunctional family unit or organisation than to have one member within it whom everyone else regards as perfect, because either he or she will be inappropriately adored or inappropriately resented by everybody else. One of my favourite definitions of martyrdom is this. A martyr is a person who has to live with a saint. Indeed, as someone said to me recently on the subject of saintly vicars, do you know, I've never actually met the perfect clergy person. I have heard them referred to, but you always find that the vicar in question has either just died or just left the parish. But my basic point about our frailty applies to all Christians, for we are all called to bear witness to a truth that ultimately surpasses our understanding and to uphold ideals that we ourselves will inevitably fail to attain absolutely, however hard we strive. You may remember that St Paul, of all people, was profoundly aware of this dichotomy in his own life and was himself disturbed by it. Hence, his heartfelt plea in Romans 7, 9. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Richard Holloway, the former Bishop of Edinburgh, 
put the same basic idea in even more provocative terms when he wrote this. The call of Jesus brings a sword, not peace of mind, because it sets up within us the disturbance of an unrealizable aspiration. The disturbance of an unrealizable aspiration. That might, at first glance, sound deeply depressing. Why don't we all give up and go home then? But what I think it actually means is this. We can, of course, rest secure in the knowledge that we are absolutely and unconditionally loved and accepted by God, regardless of our failures and inadequacies. That is the message that lies at the very heart of the gospel. But if we are taking our Christian discipleship with full seriousness and endeavouring to live it out, then the presence of Christ in our lives will make us ever more alert to the ways in which we fall short, which can in turn generate a restlessness within ourselves that moves us to do something about it. And that is how we grow in discipleship and in faith. And the closer we are to God, the more aware we are of that. Because the brighter the light, the deeper the shadows. Today's parable reminds us that the real problem is not that we make mistakes or that we behave badly. Because if we acknowledge what we have done, and ask for forgiveness, then God's mercy is boundless, unconditional, and free. No, the true danger comes when we have lost sight of the fact that we are in need of that mercy, or begin to take it for granted, and so fail to recognize that if God is willing to be that merciful to us, then that has obvious implications for how we ourselves should behave. Sometimes it is only when we recognize the truth about ourselves that we can truly appreciate the extent of our need for the grace and the forgiveness of God. And those of us who have been blessed in receiving God's mercy must in turn recognize that to be merciful to others is not simply an option, it must become a way of life. Amen. Let us now stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit, and the Virgin Mary, 
and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, you have promised to hear the prayers of those who ask in faith. Bless all your faithful who serve in ministry of word and sacrament, all who teach and listen and learn, all who care, all who labour, all who pray. Bless our bishops priests and deacons. Bless this Diocese of London, the National Church and the Church Universal, that it may be united in faith and in the resolve to serve you in love. Lord, in your mercy, hear, hear our prayer. prayer. Bless all your lands with peace and harmony. Empower our leaders with wisdom, courage and diplomacy to begin and end negotiations as friends. Hear, Lord, the pain and suffering of your children caught up in war and conflict, families torn apart, lives lost, neighbourhoods destroyed, over disagreements, power struggles, politics and greed. Forgive our weaknesses, and may we all learn to forgive one another, as you have taught us. Lord, in your mercy, hear, hear our, prayer. our prayer. Bless this community of St. Brides, all who strive to share the gospel in this place, and proclaim your love through our presence in the City of London. Bless all, we pray, who enter this place with enquiring minds. Inspire them to ask the questions and empower us to be ready to greet them. Bless all who call Fleet Street home, all who live or work here, all who have dedicated their lives to journalism, all who maintain our safety and welfare, and bless all who return to this street as offices reopen and the character returns to normal. And bless, we pray, all who join us in worship from their homes, old friends and new together, that together the ministry of St. Brides is strengthened in number and in faith. Lord, in your mercy, 
hear, hear our, our prayer. prayer. Bless, we pray, all who are sick, in body, mind, or spirit. Soothe their pain, strengthen their weakness, and comfort their troubles. Bless all who are suffering from the effects of coronavirus, and we pray thanks and support for all who tend to their suffering. Bless, we pray, our hospital staff and carers, and all who support those in need. Lord, in your mercy, hear, hear our, our prayer. prayer. Bless all who have departed this earthly life over this past week, young and old together. Each one unique, everyone loved, everyone a part of your wonderful creation. And bless, we pray, all those who we remember and hold dear in our hearts. Mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, sons, daughters, partners and dear friends, and bless our memories of them as we entrust them to your care. Lord, in your mercy, hear, hear our prayer. prayer. Merciful Father, accept, accept these, these prayers, prayers for the, for sake, the sake of, of thy Son, son our, our Saviour, Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. Amen. Will you please stand? Christ is our peace. He has reconciled us to God in one body by the cross. We meet in his name and we share his peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you.
Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this bread to offer, which earth has given and human hands have made. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this wine to offer, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. It is indeed right, it is our duty and our joy, at all times and in all places, to give you thanks and praise. Holy Father, Heavenly King, Almighty and Eternal God, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. For he is your living word. Through him you have created all things from the beginning and formed us in your own image. Through him you have freed us from the slavery of sin, giving him to be born of a woman and to die upon the cross. You raised him from the dead and exalted him to your right hand on high. Through him you have sent upon us your holy and life-giving spirit and made us a people for your own possession. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name, forever praising you and singing.
Accept our praises, Heavenly Father, through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And as we follow his example and obey his command, grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us his body and his blood, who in the same night that he was betrayed took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Therefore, Heavenly Father, we remember his offering of himself made once for all upon the cross. We proclaim his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. We look for the coming of his kingdom, and with this bread and this cup, we make the memorial of Christ, your Son, our Lord. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Accept through him, our great high priest, this our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts in the presence of your divine majesty, renew us by your spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through him, and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven, we worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Blessing and honour and glory and power be yours for ever and ever. Amen. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving.
we do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him, and he in us. Amen.
Let us pray. Lord God, the source of truth and love, keep us faithful to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, united in prayer and the breaking of bread, and one in joy and simplicity of heart. In Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.